Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Musical Splaining Podcast. I am your host and karate guy who likes to kick it, Kavitaharian. And I am, uh, I never took karate, but if they gave out, you tried really hard achievement belts, I would probably have that belt and that be my only belt. Uh, Angelina Meehan. And in a bit of a Freaky Friday uh, mind swap, uh, you know, being in other people's shoes kind of business, today we're going to do a show where I've seen it a bunch of times and Angie has not. Yeah. Um, and of course, <laughs> the show is Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping, which finally we get to review a good quote unquote musical that I wouldn't consider it as such, <laughs> but hell, whatever, you're allowing me to do this, so I'm happy. Yeah, you've been wanting to do this one for a while, and I think we've come to a place where we finally earned getting to do it. But I will say, actually being in this position for once, I'm mildly terrified. I know like literally nothing about this. <laughs> so um, now I feel like the scared person, like, uh, what's the what's the reality show where they drop somebody naked and afraid? Naked and afraid, naked and afraid, and like like the wilderness. Naked and, and afraid, yeah. yeah. It's like, I, it's literally, I it's literally feel like naked yeah. and afraid of this right now because um, I have no idea what to expect. But you've been so hard on it, and I think hard on it in a good way is in terms of like let's do this. That um, yes, I, I think I tend to end up liking a lot of the same things you do. So I'm like. That's yeah, true. Yeah, really excited for that. As opposed to the things that I like, which you usually do not. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I always enjoy hearing you talk about it, though, is the thing. I like seeing it through your eyes mm. specifically has has made me uh, change opinions on so many things because I and my own experiences don't really relate. But that's, again, the entire basis of this show. So after after, after this is done recording. <laughs> empathy after this is done i'm just gonna go make like a montage of you being like oh i didn't like this set to peter gabriel's in your eyes like and it just like, right. like just overlaid over that uh but yeah very excited yeah so pop started one of the reasons i wanted to do this is um i've been a long long time fan of the lonely island those guys are from the east bay so they grew up just on the other side of the caldecott from where i grew up um, a lot of their humor, their sense of humor, and and also just I remember seeing their videos before uh, even they were like on SNL and like before that properly blew up. So it's the closest thing I have to like something of like those guys are just like kids from our neighborhood that somehow fucking made it big. And yeah, I'm like, this is weird. I've never done the explaining side of it. But anyway, yeah. they're East Bay kids. We love them. I remember them from the Cablamo days, from the Stork Patrol days, all these like insane, weirdly super specific to the region um, kind of songs that they wrote. And then to see them sort of go on this crazy, insane, you know, journey where they became like the biggest thing ever for so many years. Yeah. This is the only, the only thing I knew about this is that it was a Lonely Island thing. And I'm very excited for that because I am also a huge Lonely Island fan uh, that somehow managed to miss this. I think of like my happiest like college years was like when they really blew up. Um, like freshman year was when they blew up. That was when they did the... um we're just two guys who are having a good time and like the, the, the boo oh or whatever. I had a friend who that made me watch best. like the boo, their parody of like the OC. Oh, the boo. oh you watched some of the old yeah, school shit. Watching nice. The boo. Did you watch awesome town? Did you I, watch the I, pilot? I, I that did, they did. Yes, I did. And like, yes. so I had a friend who was so, I'm so impressed before they blew up, just like, it was so into them. And so like, I just associate that with like my freshman year of college, just like everything's still great, but you feel like the world is new and open and watching the lonely Island with that. I'm a huge fan of a lot of their records. Uh, my husband and I spin them quite a lot. <laughs> For, for albums that are meant they're to be really they're good. so good the they're thing. like really yeah. well produced and they're all catchy as funny shit and like really yeah they're honest they make honest to god bangers mother lover is kind of like one of my favorite songs and nothing made me happier oh than god, becoming a mother it. but that yeah with that said i guess we should get into the notes because like i could just sit here being like in my day we watched the lonely island and we laughed at like who invited steve that dude's uh i can't say that i swear i'm glad well, real quick though i'm glad that you saw just two guys and like that whole 
So there's there's just two guys and then we love sports. And then the third one they did was we'll kill you. Right. The third video that they did with those two characters. But just in terms of like specificity, those that's just like any two white guys that were hanging out in Concord, California. (laughs) It's like exactly what those two characters are. Sure. Which is why you're just like, oh, my God, they just threw like people from the East Bay that we know, like into music videos, which makes it so crazy and funny to see it. It's like it's so hyper specific. I love that. In response to what you said earlier about like you didn't even catch this on your radar, it was that was sort of the weird thing about this that like no one really it felt like so many people just didn't even know that this movie existed or it came out. And it's it was this weird, strange thing that like I'm not quite sure why that happened. The only thing I was able to read about when I was doing research for this was like they were trying to market it because which we'll explain in the notes, but it's sort of, you know, based on a lot of those documentaries that came out, like the Justin Bieber one and the Katy Perry one. And they kind of. I guess in the marketing tried to lean into the Bieber thing to make it seem it was like a takedown of Bieber, but that wasn't it. like really it was just sort of like loosely based on the idea of the Bieber doc, but I don't think anything was like specifically about Bieber Mm. and it seemed to have like fallen flat. And so they didn't really like nothing really happened with it. So anyway, but go ahead. Yes. Let's get into the notes and and we'll sort of elaborate based on that. All right. So I guess I, okay, I'm reading them this time. This is like, yes, these are notes that I wrote. I'm sorry. Yes. We should preface this. Okay. I, I had to write the notes. I, I'm not good at them. I hope that they live up to your note standards, but you can also feel the stress of having to read it live on air. And I mean, there's nothing really naked and afraid, naked one, and afraid. Like I am just like <laughs> naked and afraid. Yes. All right. Pop star never stops. Never stopping. Okay. Pop star never stop. Never stopping is a 2016 American mockumentary musical comedy directed by Akiva Schaefer and Jorma Tacone and written by and starring Andy Samberg, Tacone and Schaefer, more commonly known as the lonely Island produced by Judd Apatow. Okay. The film is chock full of the signature surprise celebrity appearances and absurdist earworms that make the comedy trio famous IRL. Ooh, very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Pop Stars centers around the release of Connor Friel, aka Connor Friel's second solo album after having left the Style Boys. <laughs> I'm already a fan. This is going to be great. Uh, a successful hip hop group formed with his childhood friends Lawrence and Owen. Growing increasingly delusional from his fame and success, the egotistical Connor decides to film a documentary about his life while he's still on top. But when the record unexpectedly flops, the camera is there to capture his world crashing down. Will the real Connor Frail even be able to come back for real? Why do we refer to very successful singers as pop stars instead of people who drink a lot of pop soda or soda pop? <laughs> How is Cove so bad at writing copy? That's a good question. I have to think about this one later. No, yeah. Chuck, you do agree. <laughs> All this and more in... Pop star. I can't drop my voice down. Wonderfully done. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. I'm coming for all of the uh, trailer narration gigs. Love it. <laughs> we love it. Boy, this sounds like right up my alley. I'm so excited for it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, despite having become famous for song parodies, until this point, the Lonely Islands movie output had been suspiciously absent from their musical abilities. Pop star takes its cues from a spate of music documentaries released in the 2010s, including Justin Bieber's Never Say Never and Katy Perry's Part of Me. It was released on June 3rd, 2016. Kava's 33rd birthday! Oh, wow! Hashtag 33rd degree Mason. Uh, <laughs> is that is that a reference to the movie, or are you just uh, feeling yourself right in this copy? It's a Freemason oh, thing. It's just a joke about Freemasons, 33rd level. Gotcha. I see. Conspiracy I, I see. theories. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was released on June 3rd, 2016 by Universal Pictures and became a box office bomb, grossing just over $9.7 million. Oh, wow. 
grossing just over 9.7 yeah. million and failing to meet its budget of 20 million. Wow, damn, so that is a that's a bomb, but uh as Harsh. as this d- uh, despite this, uh it received positive reviews from critics and has correctly developed a cult following because it is a good movie and everyone was wrong. Well, a lot of my favorite movies uh are bombs and uh I think undeserved bombs because as we know, uh audiences are stupid and don't appreciate good things. And <laughs> no, but uh or marketing teams don't do a good enough job of marketing things or they don't get enough money for it or there's a whole litany of reasons why things don't get in front of the right absolutely people. um but this this sounds like right up my alley like i'm a huge fan of obviously of um waiting for, or waiting for like the christopher guest is it christopher guest i guess is what my question was like yeah, yeah. is it yeah christopher guest is movies. it kind yeah, of in yeah. the vein yeah so a lot of people um tend to compare this to this is spinal sure. tap yeah, that was my first uh... um which technically is a rob reiner movie but it's basically like the genesis of all the christopher guest movies but yes it's sort of in that style a little bit and then it's very Apatow and that like Apatow has got these deep connections. So there's all these like crazy celebrity, sure, uh, you know, mock interviews that are in it. Like, uh, actually, I shouldn't even give them away. You just watch them all. But there's all these famous people that are in it just talking about this band. That's like, oh, my God, like the Style Boys were like the most incredible thing. I've I ever love seen. this. And, like, they the, inspired the me. Style Boys is so like yeah. that's it's already making me laugh. <laughs> I'm very pumped for that. It's kind of like in the vein of Hot Rods because I was like, oh, what was the big Andy Samberg comedy vehicle that did really well? It was Hot Rod, right? And then... um... Hot Rod, I don't think he even did that well. I think it was another like small kind of cult movie. It was not like a huge success. I know Hot Rod, uh, If I remember correctly. (laughs) But I fucking love Hot Rod. Hot Rod's great. It's... But it was just weird that up until this point, like they've only been making like these hugely successful music videos and like parody songs and they were like, let's put them in like a normal movie where they're just, you know, pretending to be a, a stunt Man, a stunt driver, which again, I love the movie. There's no shade on that at all. But the thing that made this interesting was like Judd Apatow became at that point, he was like, we have to make a movie for these three kids, like these three boys or whatever. Like, you know, his power had sort of been waning away from him having total and complete control over Hollywood, like he had through all the aughts. Um, I think the emphasis that he really wanted to put on it was about like their friendship. And, you know, it, it becomes a somewhat autobiographical thing in some way not to the extent obviously that he's like a Andy Samberg's this huge pop star but like they're always a trio Samberg was the one who ended up being like on Saturday Night Live he's the one who became very famous and even though Akiva and Yorma were still you know on the writing staff of SNL they were not necessarily pushed to the front of it so I, I imagine there's some level of no doubt don't speak music video yeah uh, life imitating art art imitating life <laughs> sort of put into it and, you know, and, and Apatow for all of his like gross out kind of stuff, the thing that I think made him ultimately successful in that time was being able to sort of break it down to what like the sort of core vulnerabilities and sort of immaturities of what male relationships are very, very fragile. Yeah. I was about like, to say like, he's a very, like his movies are very vulnerable. As gross as they are, there's vulnerability was the exact word. I was vulnerable. like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that was the other thing too, like when this was going to come out and that Apatow was going to produce it, it was another thing where we were like, oh yeah, this is going to be great. Like it's an Apatow movie. Like it's people will see, and again, fucking nobody, uh, I just, this is crazy. And it, you have to, at some point between when we record this, uh, after you watch them record the next part, you have to listen to the record because there's so many fucking songs in this or song after song after song after song. And in the, the nature of how the film is made, like mockumentary style, like they'll just do sort of these cutaways where they'll reference one song mm-hmm. and it'll play for like maybe five, 10 seconds. But like it's a whole like three minute song that's like a hilarious banger on its own. That's just sort of like used as like a throwaway joke. So I highly recommend you listen to it as well, um, just because it's fucking fun and hilarious. And a lot of the songs are really good. Just one little tidbit that I think is funny is apparently they used to write their own songs. Um, I mean, I guess they still write them. But musically, what's happened over the years is they've gotten more and more famous 
uh, I guess I remember hearing in some interview with them that a lot of their songs end up being just musically or like as they become more prominent, like there's Holly or sorry, there's big music producers who just have like, you know, all these fucking songs that are just sitting in a drawer like, oh, this was going to be a number one hit for for like fucking Rihanna or something. But we didn't end up finding a place for that on the album. So they're just like sitting on all these crazy beats. And they're just like, here, you can use this. And like, it turns into, I don't know if it specifically turned into Shirani, but yeah, like, sure. <laughs> that's sort of like what the genesis of emo- how, the, how they are. So part of the reason why they're so good is like, they're literally made by some of the best like producers in the business and they didn't have a use for them. So I think this, this whole record and this whole movie like really demonstrates that very well of like, they all sound like banger, banger ass, like number one songs, which makes it so You great. are selling me on this so hard. I am like, so am. <laughs> As we said at the beginning, I think what what makes the Lonely Island successful is that they are actually good, you know, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I haven't really thought about them that much uh, in the last few years, just because I don't know, my brain is cheese. And uh, but now I'm like getting nostalgic for like, oh, you said Shirani. I'm like, yeah, Shirani was a beggar. And uh, what was the uh, the one they did with Lady Gaga, uh, the three way one? It's okay if it's in a three way. Oh yeah, yeah. the with golden the, rule. Yeah, with the, with the golden rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm pumped. I think they've always. Um, been able to make me laugh. It's been a weird month. I'm really hyped for this. Uh, is there anything else I should know? Is it is it more of like um uh uh I guess like a hard day's night or like um uh, I guess uh, this is a spinal tap thing where the music is not really moving anything along plot wise. It's more just kind of like background stuff or uh, I guess diegetic. Um, you can you can make the argument that the music is part of it. So the whole premise of it is like he's. I mean, I guess I don't I don't want to give too much of it away as you as you watch it, but essentially like. The songs are written by a character who is an idiot and like totally delusional about like what his reasons for success are. So it sort of increasingly gets more and more insane. But like that's the point is that like it's about this character's like, you know, fall from grace. So they do actually end up becoming part of it. And also all the there's like I said, there's cutaways and there's flashbacks and there's like, you know, obviously they go back to like what made the style boys famous. So it's like you get these sort of like late nineties kind of like a little bit more like less produced stuff that's written by them feeling for the songs. So all those things do end up kind of telling the story in that way. Um, and also the style of, like I said, like the Bieber or the, of the Katy Perry of like, what would make this kind of person like really successful? Like what kinds of songs would they be writing? So it does, it's not like they bust out into song in the way where it's not like a musical in that sense, strictly where he's not going to break dialogue. It's, it's all done through concerts uh, when he sings the songs and they're, you know, so they're diegetic in that sense, but that, or they will be cutaways, but it, I would argue it does actually tell a story. Yeah. Awesome. I can't wait. So you're saying it's just kind of like Amadeus then like the exact same movie. It's exact Amadeus pop star. Perfect. Imagine if Milos Forman had directed this. <laughs> Although they did. <laughs> I'll take that one with me as I sit and watch. I feel this. like Milos would have loved this movie. He would have been all about it. He would have understood it and, and seen its genius. I will take that with me. Um, as that we being watch said, it. I, I haven't watched it in a while, so I hope it's still. Hold- I'm going to be devastated if I watch it and I'm like, I don't love it as much. But I, I sincerely doubt that'll happen because the songs are. This so is good. like really like your first one taking the lead on what we're watching, at least since I've. Uh been here so if it bombs I'm i think never, this is I'm the never, only one yeah this is, I'm never this is trust- literally the first one i've ever been like yeah i'm never gonna trust you again if this sucks i'm like this is this is I'm done never gonna and over trust, trust you, you again oh that's Guilty beautiful <laughs> <laughs> right into it i love it um, um okay let's go watch it i'm if i have the time i might go try and watch the bieber doc because i think it's pretty i think it's not that long but this was very short too it's i think it's like 90 minutes it's meant to be like a proper 
like in and out kind of mockumentary. It's not like a fucking two and a half hour regular Judd yeah. Apatow movie. You think? Oh, uh, another point in its favor. I like that. So I'll yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, if you're able to do it, it might be fun to try and watch it. Although it's not sure. like a prerequisite for any reason. But sure, anyway, sure. yeah, that's it. I think just go watch it. Have a good time. All we'll right. come back and hopefully uh, we'll have both enjoyed it and we'll get into our thoughts. All right, ready to become a pop star. If you're like me, you've been able to grow a mustache and sideburns that look like that of a 70s Halloween costume since you were 11 years old. As such, shaving and maintaining well-shaped facial hair is the centerpiece of my entire grooming process. That's why I was so excited to hear that Henson Shaving had taken an interest in our little old podcast. And what do you get when a company that built parts for the Mars rover and International Space Station switch over to shaving gear? Precision, baby. Made with CNC machines using aerospace standards, the Henson AL-13 is a sight to behold. The AL-13 is completely plastic-free, and since the razor itself is such high quality, it could last you your whole life. Just imagine what can happen throughout the course of your entire life. Aliens could invade Earth, and your Henson will still be there. The mole people could emerge from the center of the Earth, and your Henson will still be kicking. Aliens and mole people could uh, engage in a massive war for complete dominance over the only planet with breathable air, only to have the robots come in and destroy them all. But then a bunch of hackers will figure out a way to turn off the robots, and once again we inherit the Earth. But of course, it's only a matter of time before our hubris leads us to make the same mistakes again, because we as humans are such a fundamentally flawed species. Guess what? Your trusty old Henson Razor will see it all and never falter. So go to hensonshaving.com slash musicalsplaining and enter musicalsplaining at checkout to get 100 free blades with your purchase. FYI, razors and blades need to both be in your cart for the code to take effect. Now, we know there's a little bit of cost up front, but once you own a Henson razor, it's really only about 3 to $5 a year to shave, depending on how often you shave. And at that point, I mean, come on, you guys, then you're just making money. So again... Go to hensonshaving.com slash musicalsplaining and enter musicalsplaining at checkout to get 100 free blades with your purchase. And, and yes, and we're donkey rolling. And uh, we... In man, Ibiza. In Ibiza. <laughs> Just two banditos here. Um, so, yeah. Uh, watch Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. And I got to say, yes. I was... Um, just before before we get into it, like I was delighted mm-hmm. by it. I was like, that was that wonderful. Was, I, I you enjoyed have the it correct reaction to it so deeply. Like I've been listening to the soundtrack nonstop. Like so I made, good. It's so good. <laughs> like uh, I made Nick watch bits and pieces of uh, it with me, which is always a great way to show your significant other something that you are obsessed with. Yes. To make them watch bits and pieces of it, and they'd be like, "See, this was funny. This was really funny. You should watch this. This was funny." Lots lots of good thoughts about it. So I guess I um. Uh, I guess maybe just get right into the summary. Try to summarize this yeah. maybe right now because uh, a lot yeah. happens in a little bit of time, and there's a lot of fun tropes that it. Uh, yeah, it's it's fun. Yes, so let's uh, let's go directly into it. So it's it's also funny. I was thinking about as I was watching because I was like, we're gonna have to summarize it, and then as I was remembering the beat point, the plot beats, I was like, oh, this movie's really insane. Like 
the things that happen in it, like when you just explain it in like a basic sentence, you're like, oh, okay, this is so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, but but it's played so straightforward, which is what's really funny about it. Right. There's, and there's like a lot of little, like, um, very lonely island start. Like, if you're used to listening to their albums, like style tangent jokes that happen and like, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I guess since this is a, Uh, so let's start at the beginning. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Kick it off. So, so pop star never stop, never stopping begins, uh, with, uh, Connor for real, whose name is Connor for real, which is very funny, but his stage name is Connor for real. And we are meeting him right after he, he's kind of like at the top of his career. Uh, and at the beginning, we learned that he was uh, started out in this group called the Style Boys that is kind of mm-hmm. like this Beastie Boys, Marky Mark and yeah. the Funky Bunch style trio <laughs> between the three of his friends, Lawrence Dunn and Owen Bouchard. Bouchard, I think that's it. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, so like they get really famous and they have this very famous single called The Donkey Roll. They basically like, were huge in the 90s and then they had this huge falling out because inspired everybody by the way yes. and like this is there's all these there's a million celebrity cutaways where I they're talking floored. about them like they're real people I, I yeah and it was like Usher being like that inspired me to become a dancer right. like 50 cents in it there's a Ringo DJ Khaled it says like Ringo, Ringo Star, Star. Yeah. <laughs> and it says musician underneath Ringo Star and it just made me laugh really really loud I was like floored I was like damn Kava wasn't fucking around and this movie was made for like 20 million dollars so like you have to know like um uh, Apatow isn't good with people. Yeah, that's that Apatow shit where he's just like, I know everyone. Everyone will be like, literally everybody will be in this film. Right. So, so basically, like the the Style Boys are like this massive group, and then there's this falling out between uh, uh, Connor and Lawrence when Connor solos on like this uh, has a solo on this album or or the (laughs) song rather song. It's a fake fake musician that Emma Stone plays. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's it called? Something beef. uh, 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 turn up the beef, up the which beef. is just like it's one verse where it's all catchphrases, yeah. like the whole way through. Yeah, doink. Right, and Lawrence doink. When Ringo Starr goes doink, is like so funny. So basically, Lawrence gets mad because he wrote the 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 catchphrase verse of this Emma Stone song, and like they disband. And then Connor kind of becomes a solo act, but Owen sticks around to be his DJ, and he just becomes like super fucking famous. And so um, basically where we're meeting him is right before the release of his next, his second album that is like the most mm-hmm. hotly anticipated album. Right. And uh, he's got like, you know, like refrigerator tie-ins and all sorts of shit like hooked up to it. Um, uh, his friend Owen, who used to write the beats is now just kind of relegated to playing like the iPod in the background. The like iPod, things are bad. Yeah. It's, it's looking really precarious. And, and, he's, um, and he's hired literally a hundred producers yeah. to write. The, as they say this, the number of hundred producers for like 12 songs or something. Right. Cause he's like, they have to all be incredible. And he like personally writes all of them. Right, right, right. Exactly. And uh, he's got like, like it's already like, you could see the writing on the wall. Like he's a single about like, uh, marriage equality that like yeah. is about how he's like also like straight like he's trying to like be like but I'm straight but like marriage equality is good I'm straight. not gay yeah not, not gay. gay not gay so good uh, it's supposed to be I think it's which I believe is supposed to be making fun of Macklemore although I never listened oh, to Macklemore oh, but it's basically sure. like taking this whole idea of gay marriage uh, being illegal as like this injustice but he centers it around himself to make it about how he's like I just want you guys to know that I'm not gay but I think that this is fucked up but I'm definitely not gay and it's like three minutes of that and then Pink yeah, sings the hook on it <laughs> it's so like it is so on point it's amazing. so good uh <laughs> but uh this kind of um uh, album immediately kind of bombs and part of what uh makes this even further awful is that the refrigerator tie-in like 
uh, basically everyone's appliances start playing this song that nobody likes and it pisses off people even more and causes like a huge power outage and like the president comes out president Barack Obama <laughs> is like oh, Connor, Connor for real is right. a dumb fuck right uh, it's great and so like his ticket sales are down and I should say like his manager my favorite okay my favorite joke in this whole thing is his manager is uh-huh. played by Tim Meadows and he's been managing him I love since Tim Meadows too I was so happy to see him one for, of my favorite SNL for you albums. young kids he was like yeah he was prominent in the L- in uh, SNL in the 90s and then he kind of hasn't done much since like or I mean he hasn't been like in the spotlight for a yeah, long time yeah he kind of nice shows up in things and I love it so much because I adore Tim Meadows but he is there he's been the manager for Connor since the Style Boys days and uh, he used to be sorry this is my other favorite joke he was yeah, in like, yeah, a, like a boys to men style R&B group called Tony 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 and like it's such like a <laughs> like a specific like perfectly done joke but so basically uh, he tells Connor that you know this album is flopping hard like it's only sold like a hundred thousand copies Rolling if even Stone that, magazine gave, a, gave like it, it a shit, shit emoji out of four stars <laughs> yeah Pitchfork gave it like a negative four <laughs> it's doing bad and uh so basically what happens then is that um his manager is like well there's this one um rapper who's up and coming called Hunter the Hungry you should tour with him and yeah. so they start touring together and Hunter the Hungry is just like I guess what's like, he's just like really aggressive and likes pranking people. And, um, he's played by Chris Red, another right. SNL alum. He's very funny. Very funny in this. Yeah. He's got like a DMX kind of like timber to his voice a little bit. It's like in the really lower register. He's just sort of like, yo, man, I love, I can't even do his voice, but like even me who's got like a low voice, I can't go that low. Or he's just like, oh, I love you, uh, Connor. Like, yeah. it's really funny. He just, I don't know how the fuck he does it because his voice is normally that low. No, no, he does not um, have a voice that low normally. And it like, yeah. it comes off as very like natural. I feel and like they pitch it like Bane or something. They must have. <laughs> like, but so like he kind of takes over his tour and the tour is selling really, really well. And then he's trying to do all these other things like marrying this woman that he's only known for like six months, Ashley Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> well, it, it ends up, right. Yeah, importantly, it ends up being this, uh, this diversion because he tries to do so the whole thing is like it's a competition between the two of them of like who can one up and then Connor is like gets all insecure and he tries to do all this dumb shit to make himself stand out more he tries to do this one like stage which is kind of a Broadway thing right what do yeah. they call it when oh, you like do the they, switch the, the quick costume changes the yeah. quick costume change but like the costume is meant for somebody without like a dick and walls so it's like he has to like tuck his dick and sack back and then yeah. it fucks up and then it exposes him as like naked on stage and then everyone starts making fun of him and they're like you don't have a dick and then which ties into the whole thing of him being like obsessed with like his bravado and like how he's like you know a very which it folds into the later thing. So they're like, okay, well, let's stage this fake marriage. Yeah. Uh, or sorry, yeah, not fake yeah, marriage, or, like a proposal. celebrity marriage. And this, this or sorry, is proposal. Like, yeah, yeah. He tries to propose to his like a girlfriend who he's only known for like six months and he gets like wolves from like fun wolf, party wolves or something.com <laughs> or something. Right. And then has there's seal. There's a Yelp review about him. Yeah. There's a Yelp review for it. And he has seal sing it. And basically it, like the wolves like uh, are kind of, I guess, made to go uh, rabid by seal singing and they escape and start attacking everybody. And then like seal is like, no, don't worry. I've been in a wolf attack before. And then like kills yeah. a wolf. And then like, but then he gets killed. He's by like, another How do you wolf think I got the scars on my face? <laughs> yeah. He's like, it's from the wolves. It's so fucking funny it's but whole, basically, i'm just like the more people are listening to this they're probably like what the fuck is this movie and that's what's funny about it yeah. exactly like it just is is bonkers um but so like that backfires um basically hunter the hungry kind of takes over all of like his tour like everyone mm-hmm. wants hunter his manager leaves him for hunter and meanwhile owen is getting more and more frustrated playing like you know second fiddle to connor and like they make him yeah. wear this insane like daft punk helmet type thing that they call like the tip of like optimus prime's penis and it makes like <laughs> is it the 70s 
sound from um, War of the Worlds when the aliens come out or like the robotic alien things come out of the ground. Is that what it is? I actually I th- never saw War of the Worlds. I, so I don't know. I think it's that. I have to go back and check. But like That's it amazing. has that same scary droning noise and it's just like yeah, this terror thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, it, as a last ditch attempt to kind of fix things, Owen tries to get Lawrence, who is now a farmer who whittles things out in the middle of yeah. like, Colorado, to meet up with Connor and make amends. But it doesn't work out. They only like he tries to parent tra- trap him. Yes, he tries to parent trap them specifically. That's the exact verbiage. Um, tries to parent trap them. Which that just trying to parent trap them in a scene that I would like to discuss after we do the summary of like them trying to reconcile because I think there's a lot to unpack in that scene that's really really interesting. But anyway, continue. Yeah, uh, tries to make them reconcile, but it does not work out. And then Owen leaves. Uh, or sorry, sorry, sorry. The tour gets canceled. Uh, Aquasman pulls yeah. their, the, the fridge company pulls their sponsorship entirely and the tour's canceled and Owen, um, or I guess basically Connor makes, puts dog poop and pancakes for all of his entourage <laughs> to test who still remains loyal to him. And Owen's right. the only one who kind of calls him out on his shit. And that's kind of like the end of their like thing. And then Owen yeah. hits like basically rock Loses bottom. everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a classic like act two ending. Like he lost everything. He moves back home. Right. Oh, he's, his, like, pet, his pet turtle dies. Like, turtle dies. Yeah. Right. He's a pet turtle named Maximus that dies. And like he throws this elaborate pool party funeral for it. But like, yeah. So basically it's he a ends Viking up funeral. Yeah. In his own pool. <laughs> yeah. Right. And he basically ends up like back at his house, his mom's house. Like his mom becomes more famous than him. Right. his mom is played, jo- by, played by, a, by Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack. Yeah. So he's just drinking nonstop. And then his manager, played by Sarah Silverman, like kind of takes him to one of Owen's original DJ shows. And Owen's like a really good DJ, except he can't sing. One one important point here is that the turtle Maximus, he's basically like in the beginning of the film, uh, Connor's like, my mom got me this turtle after my dad died. And it was like this like emotional support thing for him for his whole life. And then after he died... Uh, after Maximus dies, that's kind of when he falls apart and then he's back home. And then when Sarah Silverman shows up, they make him. She's like, let's watch old movies of you guys as the style boys as kids. And then they watch an old birthday party of like when he got Maximus for his like whatever, like ninth birthday. And it turns out that um, Owen and Lawrence were the ones who actually got it for him. And he didn't realize that he had just sort of like bought into this weird story that he created for himself. So that becomes like the sort of turn of he's like, oh my God, they were my friends from the beginning. And like, he had just completely lost sight of it, which is why he ends up going to um, see or agreeing to go see Owen. But I'm sorry, continue. I just, that's like yeah. an important emotional point of it. No, you're right. Thank, thank you for clarifying that. You're right. That is a very yeah. important emotional turn in it. Uh, but so basically uh, it ends up with Owen and Connor going out to um, Lawrence's farm and mm-hmm. uh, where he grows a ton of weed. Uh, yeah. That's, 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 that's the reveal. <laughs> that's big reveal. Cause at the whole time you're just like, Oh, he's this terrible farmer who's miserable. And yeah. you're like, He's probably really bad at it and like he's never made anything because they never show the weed. But then in the end, when they finally make up and they're like, what do you grow here? And he's like, weed. And they're yeah. just like, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, then And then like they kind of all fall in together and they, they remember this song that they made. I think it was called Sick Glenda, which is probably my yeah, favorite yeah. song in the whole thing. <laughs> and you only hear like 20 seconds of it, but it's so funny. Uh, yeah. But uh, then Sarah Silverman, the agent, calls again and says like the poppies, basically the fake Grammys of this universe, mm-hmm. want Connor to come in and fill in for Taylor swift because she's been like arrested for murder or something <laughs> like uh, as yeah. like the closing act for it and then basically, basically connor has this choice of like do i perform like one of my new singles or do i do something yeah. with 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 the style boys and you know it all ends up well and happy uh uh hunter uh hunter the hungry also shows up and embarrasses himself in front of like mariah carey yeah. and on national tv and uh connor uh for real and uh owen and 
Lawrence perform again as the Style Boys, and it's a big style hit. Boys, yeah. And uh, Michael Bolton is there, of course. Michael Bolton I was, cameos I was wondering. on that song. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, Michael Bolton shows up, and uh, then he gets like a new baby turtle, and it all mm-hmm. is well that ends well. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a really quick little like you know wrapped up in a bow. It's basically the length of like your average animated feature. It's like an yeah. hour and twenty minutes. It's not. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It sort of just gets to the point, gets all these gags out. Like is very neatly tied up by the end it is non-stop like it is like very like compact it's very dense yeah, yeah it's a lot of lot of ga- it merits like repeat viewings because there's so many fucking gags in it like yeah just non-stop like gags on gags on gags yeah. and then the other thing that's really interesting about it is like it's so i don't mean this in a bad way it's very throwaway in which like they will take all this time and effort to bring in like all these people, all these gags, all these like really well constructed songs, and then they just throw them away. Like you'll just see like a snippet of it, and you'll see this like one clip of one person, or you'll see like one like there's a cutaway after like everything falls apart where he gets in a fight with Martin Sheen for oh, some right. reason, like at a bar. <laughs> yeah. And then you're just like, Oh, they brought Martin Sheen in for like a day just so he can fight him, and then it's like barely like a like a six second shot. Yeah. Or like they have this elaborate, like there's this one song that's about <laughs> how much the Mona Lisa sucks, and like they have co- all these oh elaborate God, that concert song is costumes. Amazing for it like and you only hear like 20 seconds of it like just enough to get what the joke is but like there's this whole mm-hmm, production mm-hmm. around it and i yeah i i was screaming at just like how much effort was put into this to just also be like so like yeah sure whatever on to the next thing it's um, dense yeah all it really the songs it are really, really fills in the world yeah. yeah all the songs are really good they feel really lived in and like despite being a gag like actual songs that we would hear on the mm-hmm. radio and, and and to the extent that we talked about you know like this isn't necessarily a musical proper i i, I kind of see why you put this on here because it, they are yeah. telling very specific things about this character and this place and time and who they are and i'm like okay you know what i see it i see it um like what's the there's like a oh fuck there's about a, a point in the halfway point where like you see lawrence trying to build his own career off after like they break up <laughs> right, right. and he has things this song my, called things in my jeep <laughs> things in my jeep and he's it bad is, at it and, and he's so bad at it like the and the, the words are like the specific kind of lacking of talent and in, in 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 putting words <laughs> together that is so funny and another fun subtle thing too is the song that seal sings to ashley wednesday <laughs> when he's like there for the proposal is the melody for Mona Lisa, you're an oh, overrated piece I of shit. I didn't catch that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that he uses his own song, like his like one of his singles, to propose to his yeah. fiance. Like, yeah, everything is right. very intentional here. And as much as like it, it does sound like oh, this sounds like top forty radio. Like there are very specific things happening in the songs, like to to conf- like mm-hmm. the the oh the the last bid to like his uh, international fans the Ibiza song that backfires like kind of like <laughs> that song is so ridiculous I was crying I was like we're eating paella in Ibiza or whatever it's just like <laughs> oh so good well um, it, it's also interesting too because like the first song is I'm so humble which is the one that he sings with Adam Levine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like it's really subtle but like it's still ridiculous but you kind of see that like there's wit in that one where you like you get that they're kind of you're laughing at the idea of how humble he is yeah Whereas, like, progressively, the next song, they're like, oh, the first single off the album is the I'm Not Gay, like, equal rights one. And you see that you're able to, by, like, bumping those two songs up next to each other, you see that, like, oh, he doesn't get it. Because, like, the whole thing is that, like, the first album that made him famous is the one that, like, Lawrence and um, and Owen wrote, like, basically all those songs, which is why he got so famous. And then when he got rid of them and made the second album, got rid of essentially his 
lifelong friends, that's when the album tanks because he's just like completely gone in the wrong direction. Right. And it closes the the, the last big song in the movie is called Incredible Thoughts. And like the, all the incredible <laughs> right. thoughts in it are deeply stupid, but it's like these deeply heartfelt belief. Like, they, like they're right, so right. invested <laughs> in this idea that like, yes, this is a song that will heal the world. And we sincerely believe that like uh, a cat laughing or something stupid like that is right, like right. a really deep thought that will change the world. And like it's this very sincere like, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> like <laughs> my, reunion. My favorite line of that song is my brain is a genius. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah like uh it's very much in that like Sondheim thing where he's like oh content dictates form with these songs yeah, and, like yeah, the song yeah. progressions in them like it's very thoughtful and really funny and like oh god like again like sick Glenda I don't I, I wish I could explain this is one of those ones that is so funny <laughs> that I don't want to explain the joke because like you kind of so, just gotta watch it yeah it's so dark and but so funny but also just like the way it's kind of like written as like friends just like you know remembering like this very like uh-huh. basic kind of like cadence that they had to like i don't know it just yep it's very yep. good to say nothing of like the uh, the second layer of it where everything is also a commentary on like what pop music sounded like in like the 2010s yeah. and specifically yeah. like it's it's really good parody of 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 a bunch of different artists basically so the thing i thought was that we should unpack which i thought was really funny not unpack in a bad way but like sort of i thought we wanted to talk about was like a lot of what Connor does is has to do with like his sort of male, straight male like fragility mm-hmm. and like his insecurity and about like how he's just constantly trying to prove, you know, which is like a normal thing of like, unfortunately, of just being like, no, I'm straight. I'm straight. It's cool. Like, I don't, like just total discomfort in his own body, total discomfort. And like as much as he thinks that he's like crazy and outgoing and cool and wild and fun and interesting, he's just like really uptight and like afraid of like basic things like the idea of people even like perceiving that he might be gay sure. um, just because he's like speaking up about it. Uh, and then, so that scene where they're in, so after Owen parent traps them, right. And then it's Owen and Lawrence in the back of a limo, like after a concert that they played in, I think Colorado is where his farm is. That's where he parent traps. And so the three of them are in the back of this limo and then, it becomes like this, you know, Beatles thing where all the fans are like, oh, my God, he's here. And they like run after them and they're, they're like pounding on the limbo and trying to like, you know, get in and like ask for autographs and whatnot. And and that's when Lawrence and Connor sort of like have to confront each other. Yeah. Right. And it's 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 about these two straight guys who have to like express their feelings to each other in a way that's deeply uncomfortable for them, despite the fact that like they have this long, rich history and like they've had this friendship and they've been they've known each other since childhood, like still very frozen in time and like you know whatever arrested development kind of thing sure and it's really funny because it's like it it works on a couple levels because number one it's like they're trapped inside of a limo yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right so like they're kind of trapped in their own making and their own success and like they're still not able to be honest with themselves and then what ends up being really really funny is like on the side of the windows like it progressively gets more and more insane like people are banging and a bang on the windows and being like i love you and the next thing you know like some girl like pulls up her skirt and like puts her thong ass on the window and it's like i love connor is written on it yeah and then some girl comes and puts like her tits on the window and is like i love connor and then like as they're arguing connor is like yo this is what it's all about right here like this is the fans like this is my shit like i'm the best like that's why they're doing this and then as he's like pointing at the window and like addressing Lawrence, like the woman's with the breast like moves out of the way. And then this guy shows up and like pulls down his pants and then puts his dick on the window. Yeah. Yeah. And like the whole gag is that like he's not seeing it. And he's just like, this is what it's all about. Like, blah, 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 blah. Like he doesn't realize that he's pointing at a dick. And then he turns around and he's like, I'm just going to sign like this. Like, if you'll excuse me, I got to sign an autograph. And then he <laughs> and then like, and probably like one of the funniest things I've ever seen is like the window limo coming down like. Like bumping with like the dick coming down on it. 
I was losing my mind during that scene, number one. It's just like, I love a good... Sorry, I hate to interrupt this very serious tangent. No, 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 it, go it, ahead, it's please, It's one of those please. things that has to seem, uh, be seen to be believed. I love whenever a dick is used really, really well in comedy, like as a righteous chip. That's why I want to talk about something. Like, yeah. You and I have talked about this off mic, specifically when we talked about um, a lot of the Danny McBride stuff, where we're like... It's we like the thing that's really funny, which is why I was excited for you to see that scene is like it's it's this unpacking of like straight guys who are obsessed with talking about their dicks, all dick things like all related to, like about that. And then at the sight of a dick, they fucking melt down. They can't handle it. And it yeah. just sort of exposes how I thought. But like that, the construction of this scene, I thought was such a perfect, funny example of like it shows the like their discomfort with the fame, their discomfort with their own yeah. uh, oh, bodies, and he they're discomfort with other that people's bodies. He's just yeah. like trying to sign this dick too while it's yeah. happening and trying to play it like, yeah, I'm casually signing a penis, like a flaccid penis that is like <laughs> skittering down the window and like being precariously put between that and the limousine window as it rolls up. Like, yeah. And it's also, there's also like the third level of that where it's kind of the fight that they're having is about how Connor has always been like Connor basically being like the front man for everything and the one who gets all of the credit for everything and you know Lawrence having been so much of a big part of his like yeah uh, second career and this whole idea of like because Akiva Schaefer and, and Yorma like both do a lot of the directing and the behind the scenes stuff and mm-hmm, Andy mm-hmm. Sandberg was the one yeah, as we mentioned earlier who like kind of really blew up on his own so like yeah. you have like this like third like meta commentary on like the lonely mm-hmm, island mm-hmm. and their like trajectory that is happening on top of this conversation that is two men being unable to really express their feelings as candidly as they would like to and a dick being signed it is great i was just like i i wanted to be in the room while they were writing this scene and trying to figure out like the flow of it it's so good that was one of my i feel things. like that's that's cinema with a capital c yeah. <laughs> that's 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 like a it's like a throwaway gag scene where you're like oh it's just a dick but it's like there's so much more happening there at the moment which i think is so funny about it. like that's what makes it's so clever yeah it also reminded me like um just spinning off of just righteous gemstones and this is a different subject in general um where the production is so good and so earnest to like like actual it's not it's not even parody at that point it just feels real and really lived in whenever like you have like oh my gosh like this the <laughs> like okay so this song I, again what a song that i'm like maybe we'll have to cut this because it's such a funny moment that i don't want to ruin it but there's like a song he I guess called like uh, the finest girl and I almost don't want to ruin oh the God. hook for it it's like the best. it's <laughs> I screamed when I saw this because it feels like absolutely a terrible stupid song you know capitalizing on like just like pop culture events like historic would, events or historic events rather would would, would happen like I don't know something about that felt so right where I'm, all the songs feel like these are so stupid that I could see them being really mm-hmm. popular and the way that you hear a stupid single on the radio and go, who is listening to this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm going to spoil that one just cause it's, uh, it's, it's so <laughs> I think it's the funny. second single off the record in, in the, yes. in the story, I believe. Yeah. So it's, when you get to the second single, that's the one Angie's talking about. Yeah. And even like, like the way he has like a, a girl on stage dancing to it, like the choreography <laughs> is very much like her um, outfits. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's, it's good. I don't want to spoil it. Like, this is what's so hard about this, because this was a very fun movie to watch almost completely blind. Yeah, I think, yeah, having known nothing about it to go in and just be like, what the fuck is going on would probably be, I, I envy being able to do that for the first time, because I've just seen it so much at this point. It, it was great. Like, I immediately want to rewatch it. I had some thoughts the second time I watched, or not second time, but having gone back and rewatched it right now, sort of through this more critical lens, which it didn't really bother me. It's not like a deal breaker. But I thought it would be I was trying to unpack. I'm like, why did this not do as well? Or why did people not necessarily like know about it as much? I think one thing I could point to maybe is the fact that like what might have bumped is is this idea that like it's so absurd 
and like the the kind of world building of it is so absurd and it's over the top and it's comical and it's goofy and it's like really you know cartoony and how mm-hmm. uh, ridiculous it is and that it has this kind of pretty sincere heart to it about like your friends and like you know your childhood and overcoming like you know how your friends end up becoming your family because his dad died and his mom was gone and all this stuff and like it's sort of that that's the core of it like that's the core of the thread and it's it's not like crazy heavy, right? They don't get into like, you know, August Osage County in no. terms of like <laughs> confronting like these old crazy like things that right. happen like in their in their lives. But like that's that's meant to be um the heart of it. And it's interesting because I was thinking about how people compare it to like Spinal Tap or like any of those other Christopher Guest movies, which tend to sort of really be not as sincere is not the right word, but they don't tend to be like as heartfelt. Yeah, they're a little they bit tend to be they're a little of, bit meaner. I'll just say that like 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 <laughs> Or a little bit more removed, like it's a little bit more like detached, like you're kind of like you are to an extent laughing at these people. You're not necessarily like meant to sympathize with them, which is not to not shouldn't say laugh at them. But like there is a layer of like removal of detachment, like you're you're laughing sort of how ridiculous these characters are. But like what this does is like it it does it does it tries to do both. It tries to have a cake. It's cake and eat it, too, of just having this like really insane over the top thing where you're laughing at how stupid and absurd this character is. Yeah. But then you're also meant to sympathize with him and sort of feel bad and, and understand like where he's coming from. And like you're happy that these relationships are kind of mended by the end and that it does have this bow on it. I wonder if that was too much of a stretch where like maybe people wanted it to be just more stupid and absurd all the way. And then the ending was him like failing and working at a fucking gas station or something or I don't know. I guess my other thought, my other thought about this subject maybe is like when you think of like why people like the Lonely Island or every time like something like Jizz in My Pants or like um, <laughs> any Shiny Ronnie or any of these songs become like yeah. big. It's kind of, oh, you know, that fun surprise of being nestled in the middle of a mediocre episode of SNL. You suddenly get yeah, like yeah, yeah. this and it's four minutes long and it's shortened to the point. And like, I, I do wonder if there is like some hesitancy about like, oh, 90 minutes of like a Lonely Island thing just sounds like a lot. Like, I don't I don't yeah. know, like or it's, it's not the context for it that I, I think that most people want to see it in necessarily or expect to see it in. Maybe like I was trying to think about that, too. I was like, why was this not popular? Because people fucking love the Lonely Island. But like, I just I think like something that feels like a 90 minute Lonely Island pitch which to me i would absolutely go right see. to me i'm like only 90 minutes <laughs> only 90 minutes give me like i want like a ken Part burns one of style five, hopefully. right right yeah. right it needs to be ken burns length it needs to like yeah basically take me a whole day to watch and for me to be happy like for me that's a good sell but i i have to wonder if that's not necessarily like the the main audience like how they feel about the lonely island like that's that's the only thing i could really think of which is a shame because this was, again, this was hilarious. This was super fun. Like, I immediately want to rewatch it. And I've been listening to the soundtrack nonstop and it rules. Nonstop. Like, what other movie do you have? Like, there's, again, so many of the um, interviews are really funny. And I have to wonder how much was like them, like the performer just kind of playing off of what they already know and doing these sorts of films and interviews yeah. and how much of it was fed to them. But there is like a moment where like, um, I think the RZA is uh, <laughs> like talking about like, <laughs> He has this quote and it made me laugh like and he delivers it so sincerely. And it's like uh, the more the harder you rise, the harder you fall. Ask any coconut. Like he just says it. And it's just like (laughs) I was like, this movie was worth it for that line alone. Like just that delivery alone. I was like, thank you so much movie for that. Yeah, And I feel like every every um, 
guest appearance, if you want to call it that, but uh, you know, like every celebrity interview, like they, they all seem to understand yeah, the assignment yeah. somehow, which is really weird. That's what I was about to like, say. Even, Everyone's on the same level. Like, and cause there are yeah. tons of celebrities in this, like, again, not joking, just nonstop. Like I was just like, holy well, the, shit. Yeah. There's like, gotta be like 20, at least like, I don't know, 12 to 20 interviews of just, you're just like, how the fuck did they get that person to be in? And then also the, the weird random people that end up showing up just as ancillary characters as part of like Connor's road crew. Right, right, right. Um, oh, like Maya Rudolph shows insane. up and Maya Rudolph and, is great and, as the executive. <laughs> Emma Stone shows up. Does a uh, Kate, Katy Perry shows like, yeah, like it's just, uh, <laughs> Bill Hader it's, it's, as like the guitar b- tech. who's oh, like, I love right. flatlining. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I love that part. Bill Hader, like the roadie who likes to flatline. And it's like, again, just 30 <laughs> seconds of that. And then never just again, you never see that character again. There's that moment where, uh, they tell the film crew to leave. Cause, uh, the manager's breaking off all these terrible, like, Oh, right, right, numbers. Right. And then like this was this was like this sounds like a Lonely Island album sketch like skit where like he's giving him like the bad news about how bad the album is selling and then all of a sudden you can, and like the cameras aren't there so they do that like documentary thing where they're just putting Which subtitles I think it's, it's based on uh what's the Robert Durst one uh the uh, oh, oh, the, oh, jinx. Yeah, the jinx that's what they're yeah. that's what they're referencing is the jinx specifically yeah. so like it's just like a dark screen and they're just putting up like captions of what like Andy Samberg and Tim Meadows are saying and then all of a sudden it becomes like about how bees are like flying into the area and like they're massive and like they're like torching them it's like this big epic like bee fight scene but it's like all off camera please tell me you got that (laughs) it's so good there's also songs that weren't in the movie even that are on the album like um my favorite one which which you look it up there is like a music video or it's not a music video it's a live performance that they did for the song fuck off Um, oh yeah which is like this this did you see that one yeah 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 (laughs) It's like this angsty, like not even teen, but like tween anthem of like saying fuck you to your parents for making you like go to bed early, but like turned up to like a 37 or he's just saying the most like horrific shit. Yeah, I am kind of like, I guess a little sad that it didn't hit because it is really quite good. Um, Yeah. And also, I wish I had more friends to talk about it with, but now I've got you. Um, now so, you got so it. This yeah, is, you this and is I are. my call to the audience. Go watch uh, Pop Star Never Stop, Never Stopping. But um, yeah. I think, uh, but I also think this I'm glad fits that it has... into like our, our oeuvre of, uh, of, of like Danny McBride kind of absurd, yes. sincere, and just really over the top sense of humor. I yeah. think it, like, it fits nicely into that little shelf. Yeah. It's deeply silly, but deeply committed. And like. Deeply it, committed. It's so deeply committed. committed. To and that's. It's yeah. commitment takes you, you know nine-tenths of the way in a lot of things. Like, it's comedy, improv, you know, even just, like, what you're writing and, like, locking in on what it's supposed to be, like, and leaning into it really, really hard. That is what this is. Just leaning into something very, very hard. Uh, very simple, but, like, going for it. Um, but, yeah, really, really loved this. Thank you for recommending it. I Thank you for week. watching it. Yeah. I'm yeah, so excited should, that we finally got to do it. switch it up some more. Like, really, really love <laughs> That's this. That's it. This, yeah. is, <laughs> this is my call to the Lonely <laughs> Island. Please make another movie. Please. Uh, they did do They did do a second one. That wasn't quite a movie, but they did something that was called, I think they called it like a tone poem or something that was on Netflix. It was about, um, I think called it the Bash Brothers. And it was, it was like this entire weird, I think it was like a reference to Beyonce or something, like a visual album of um, the Bash Brothers was about like Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire in the late 90s making like those that crazy like home run spree that they were on. So it's all these jokes about it's all these music videos that are strung together under like one weird, like loose narrative about them being really good and just like getting all these home runs and also being like on a lot of steroids and then like making all these references to the East Bay. And that might be like a fun side episode. Maybe we could do one time Um, that's sort of along those lines. That one that one's a little less that see, that's an example of something that's like 
closer to what you're talking about of like that feels more just like here's a bunch of Lonely Island stuff of like a bunch of their music videos in a row, but doesn't necessarily have this arc to it or of like these characters um, necessarily like learning anything or changing or having kind of like an emotional bond. It's just sort of like here's a bunch of funny songs about these guys that are more and more insane. I saw um, I saw somewhere that they had talked about a, a sequel being on the table, not in the works necessarily. I think it was something like I read something with Akiva uh, that that green light that. it, green light it, please. And um, my one disappointment in terms of cameos is that there's no Joanna Newsom, aka Andy Samberg's wife, in this. <laughs> Put Joanna Newsom. I, I I like that they have that relationship separated, but you know, I also do want to see some harp and uh, uh, Lonely Island. Oh, that's uh, right, hookups. that's right. Yeah, he's married to some like famous harpist or something. It's like right? one of my is favorite. That's like sort of that's an interesting marriage that exists. Andy Samberg and Joanna Newsom. Um, massive fans of them both, but you know, let's let's make it happen. Uh, if you guys have seen pop star or end up watching as a result of this episode, please let us know your thoughts. We would love to hear them so long as they are positive and talking about how pop star is great. Yeah, absolutely. No shit talking this movie. Uh, no shit talking. We're not allowed. We, uh, <laughs> that's it. That's no more policy. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. Follow us and uh, let us know on Twitter. We're at musical explain in with no G as long as Twitter exists and has not completely I mean, maybe not as long as Twitter exists, but for the time being, it yeah. seems like every time, every time I do this announcement, I feel like I'm just like next week, it'll yeah. be the week that it all fucking falls apart. It's yeah. getting there. It seems like, uh, and of course we're at musical splitting with a G on Instagram. I am at commentarian on Twitter and I'm at permafriends on Instagram. And also this is coming out, uh, the week of Comic-Con on the Tuesday. So this week. The tomorrow, starting on Wednesday night, the Wednesday night's preview night, and until the end of the weekend on Sunday, I will be at San Diego Comic Con. I just got my books yesterday; they finally came in. Uh, I got stickers that are really fun. I got fucking microfiber cloths. I got all kinds of weird shit <laughs> wow. for this one. I got chamois. You got the chamois. I got chamois. Oh, love um, it! It's an untapped market. I was like, this is a cool thing to sell. <laughs> People are gonna love this shit. Yeah, sure. Uh, yes, I will be in BBO two in Artist Alley. Please come see me. Come say hello. Come take a look at my stuff. I'm also gonna be on a panel. On Thursday night um, at 6.30 in room 10, it's a MENA panel, MENA being uh, Middle Eastern North African, where we're going to talk about being, you know, MENA creators in the industry and sort of our experiences. And, you know, it's a it's a freewheeling thing. It's a really fun panel. Uh, I, we, I was able to be a part of it at L.A. Comic Con in December, and we're sort of getting the gang back together and we're taking it on taking it on tour. Wow. Um, so we'll be in San Diego for that. So you can come hear me talk more if you're not tired of me talking as much as I have been. Never. And yeah, but please, please come see me at Comic-Con. I would love to see your beautiful face. I would love to have you flip through the books. And if you mention that you're a fan of the podcast, maybe I'll have something for you. You know, Ooh, maybe we'll see. Tidbits. We got we got fan tidbits there. Yes, absolutely. Go see see Kava. He's very talented. His book is very funny. I have, in fact, read it and it's great. And yeah, go out and see him. I wish I could. I'm stuck in Philadelphia. Well, you know. That's such is my fate for liking musical theater. Karma had to dole it out somehow. But uh, yeah, uh, with that said, I'm Y Angelina Y on Twitter and also Angelina underscore S-E-E on Instagram. And that's where you can find me. I love always hearing your thoughts and silly little bits. So yeah, (laughs) thanks again, as always, for supporting us. Yes. And And now, fuck off, off. because you're not my dad. (laughs) I forgot the rest of the names are. (laughs) I'm just going to go do the donkey roll. I want that sweatshirt. Oh, that that, that donkey roll. Yes, please. But do yourself a favor and watch Popstar. It's it's hilarious. Oh, uh, real quick, before before I forget this, I just wanted to say thank you for letting us do a fun episode. Yes. Thank you to everybody who was so kind about the last episode. Yes, thank you. People were very, very cool about, um, about, 
me having feelings, um, which was very uncomfortable. But thank you guys, more or less. Everybody yeah. was pretty much very cool about it. So thanks. Thanks for listening. And thanks for continuing to support the podcast. We love you and so much. we will see you. You are all the yeah. finest girls in the world. Uh, <laughs> please don't watch the movie. <laughs> so here they got song. And thanks. <laughs>